Nope. Well, good morning, Abundant Life Church. My name is Aaron Walton. I'm one of the pastors here. And as always, I'm incredibly honored and thankful to have the opportunity to speak with you today. Over these last several weeks, we've been walking through a message series called One Another, an opportunity for us as a church to kind of navigate through the challenge and the responsibility that we have to those around us, especially to those in our covenant community here at the church, to love one another, to encourage each other, to forgive, and today talking about how we can serve one another well. And one of the other truths that we've been talking about that we can't separate from this conversation is how the relationship that we have with God, the the pursuit that we have of his presence, the, the truth that we allow Jesus Christ to dwell in our heart is inseparable from the way that we treat those around us. And as we care for those around us, we actually are giving God honor and praise and glory with our life. But as many of you have probably realized, uh, especially over this message series, that living in community can be a little difficult. Does anybody else agree? Like, it's just a challenge. The word I like to use to describe community is that it's messy, right? That we can make mistakes, that we can offend, that there can be conflicts and there can be disagreements. And I think there's no greater example of this, especially in the greater community that we live in, than when we have bad customer service experiences. Has anybody here ever had a bad customer service experience? Like you've went to the store and they were rude to you, or you went to the restaurant and the food you got was disgusting, or you went to the airport and they canceled your flight, they ruined your vacation, and they didn't even care? Like, like we've all been in those kind of situations. Now, let me ask you another question. When you've had those bad customer service experiences, did you perchance maybe respond poorly in those moments? Like if you had that kind of moment where something bad happened to you, uh, something, the service that you expected did not go according to plan, and you responded kind of poorly? Like this is kind of the world we live in, especially in a context of like I'm paying money to receive this service from you. We demand excellence, right? We have zero tolerance for people not giving us exactly what we think we deserve. And most of the time, the worst of our humanity can come out in those moments. And so I have a little clip that I want to show you. I I try to find something to illustrate just what happens when customer service goes poorly and, and we, as the recipients of that customer service, respond poorly. And so it's not the best clip I could find, but it was the only one that didn't have a lot of like foul language in it. And... like obscene gestures, so it was the most mild clip I could find, but here's a clip of a gentleman who did not agree with the service that he received at the established, amazing business known as McDonald's. So uh, let's, let's watch this. Now I'm telling you, that's mild, okay? If you want to have some fun today, go on YouTube. 
Look up customer service meltdowns. You'll see a lot worse than that. But this is kind of the reality of the world that we live in, especially in this idea that I demand perfect service. And if I don't receive that, I am going to be upset. And again, it's some of the worst of our humanity that comes out. Now, here's the challenge that we face for those of us who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, that we need to be a people that are far more interested, far more determined to figure out how best we can serve those around us than be so concerned with how I want to be served. And this is a challenge, okay? And so there's a lot of things we have to do, a lot of foundational work we have to make if we're even gonna talk about how to serve one another because man, can we make it really, really difficult. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to turn to 1 Peter chapter four. We're gonna look just a handful of verses in this passage that will hopefully encourage us so that we can navigate through the messiness of community, but that we can understand what postures we need to live, especially for those in the church, if we're going to truly serve each other. So let's dive in, 1 Peter chapter four, starting at verse seven. The end of the world is coming soon. <laughs> Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Has anybody else felt over the last couple of years that yeah, it kind of feels like the end of the world's coming soon. Like, I kind of I resonate with that. Like, there's been so many things between the prices of groceries or the prices of gas or just the conflict in the world that makes us kind of go like, yeah, this is, we are living in kind of a scary time. But I don't want you to be so uh, consumed by that idea that you allow yourself to just be kind of crippled by fear. I do not believe what Peter is trying to say when he uses this phrase, the end of the world is coming soon, that he's trying to manipulate the church through fear to then make them do and be a certain way. I do not believe that fear is a great motivator for life change. But what I do think Peter is doing in this moment is he's speaking to the truth that we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We don't know how many days we have left on this earth. And as I've been sadly reminded of over these last two months, because of so much tragedy happening, especially in the life of our church of people passing away, one of the things I just keep reminding myself is that life is way too short and it can change in an instant. And so I think it's less about fear and more about we just need to be ready. We just need to take advantage of every opportunity that we have. We treat every day and we try to experience every opportunity that God has for us in that day because we don't know what may happen tomorrow. And so in the spirit of readiness, in the spirit of not wasting anything, Peter then gives the church its first posture to practice and that's one of prayer. And so the first thing I wanna encourage you as we have this conversation about serving one another is I want you to pray intentionally. Now, I know that you've heard a lot about prayer over these last several months, and I hope it's not to the point where you're just kind of rolling your eyes and say, like, we get it, Aaron, prayer is important. But, like, I think that it's crucial for us to truly become a community of prayer if anything else that we're going to talk about is going to make sense. Like, it's going to be impossible to live out the words of this scripture if we don't start with intentional prayer for one another. Because here's what prayer does. It does three things. Number one, the first thing that prayer does is it first and foremost corrects us and guides us. 
Like left on our own, by ourselves, we will be selfish people. Like that's just who we are, right? Most of our decisions, the way that we live, the choices that we make will always go back to how does this make me feel? How will this make me happy? How will this help me achieve my goals in my dreams? Because that's a lot of how we feel. Prayer is one of the great ways for us to take that attention away from ourselves and begin to point it towards those around. It's one of the hardest things that we do. And even though we think that, oh yeah, I'm, I totally am a selfless person, I'm a caring person. When push comes to shove, we tend to just go back to, I'm just here to take care of myself. And one of the great challenges of the church is that we're not in it just for ourselves. We're in it for those that God has placed in our life. And the second thing that prayer does is that it connects us to those that we pray for. Every single day, I spend a whole lot of time praying for my wife, praying for my kids, praying for this church. I pray for the elders. I pray for the staff. I pray for the whole congregation. I try to pray for each and every one of them by name. And I try to pray for what's going on in their life. I pray for my life group. I pray for my extended family. I pray for anybody that I met with that week before. And I'm trying to pray for everybody I'm planning to meet with that week of. Why? Because I believe prayer connects my heart with the heart of those that I'm praying for. And if I'm going to even have a conversation about loving and encouraging and serving, I have to be connected to them because I will so easily point everything again back to me. And the third thing that prayer does, which is probably the most important, right? It reminds us that the real service that we can do, the real care that we can provide people is not what we can necessarily do, but by placing the people that we love in the arms of their heavenly father. Amen? Like that's why we prayed for Haley. Not because we can conjure anything. We don't have a magic spell, but because we love Haley and we love her family, the best place for us to put her is in the arms of her loving father. If you truly love the people in your life, if you actually use that word, I love these people, why would you not place them in the arms of their heavenly father as much as you can? Because that's the best place for them to be. Richard Foster, he says it this way. It's a, it's a great quote. He says, if we truly love people, we will desire for them far more than it is within our power to give them, and this will lead us to prayer. Check this out. Marriages are being shattered Children are being destroyed. Individuals are living lives of quiet desperation without purpose or future. And we can make a difference if we learn to pray on their behalf. Church, I want to encourage you. For the people that you claim as yours, your family, your friends, your community, pray intentionally for them. If nothing else, it'll put you in the right position, the right posture. You will be ready to respond to moments when you can come alongside, you can help, you can encourage. But again, the best place to put the people that we love is in the presence of the God that loves them and the amazing miracles that will take place if enough people truly believe that God is going to do a miracle. Let us be the community that does more than we can do in our own physical abilities. And if we don't do this, 
These next two verses are gonna be really, really hard. Let's look at verses eight and nine. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Next posture that that Peter talks about right here is this idea of love, right? And we talk a lot about love. And go and love people. Just just love. Just love someone. You're like, ew, get away from me. Kind of like, what are you talking about? Like, what does that mean? Well, this is what I think Peter's trying to get at. He's trying to speak to a different type of love, a, a more challenging one. And I think it's, we gotta love when it's messy. We gotta love through the challenges, through the offenses, through the hardships that will easily come when those in community are trying to live together. See, this phrase in verse eight that Peter uses, which might be confusing, love covers a multitude of sin. We kind of look at that and go like, what, what, are you, what are you talking about, Peter? Like, if I love people, do my sins, are my sins forgiven? Or if I'm loving someone, are their sins forgiven because of my love? And obviously we know that's not true. Like only through the grace of God and through the sacrifice of Jesus do we experience forgiveness of sins. So what is Peter trying to say? Well, he's saying is that when we allow the love that we've experienced from God to actually be reflected in our life, it's going to challenge us to love in a deeper way. And that love will equip us and empower us to navigate through the messiness that will always come in community when we're in relationship with each other, that we will be able to navigate through the offenses that I might give you or that you might give me, the challenges and the difficulties that will always abound anytime people gather together for a common cause. I think a family is a great example of this. Uh, Does anybody in this room have a messy family? It's okay if they're here, it's all right, don't worry. My family's right there, and I'm gonna tell you right now, I got a messy family, okay? I don't mind telling you I have a messy family. There have been times that my family has driven me crazy, and I'm sure there's times that I have driven them crazy. We've made mistakes along the way. There's been plenty of offenses over the years. Uh, I could tell you about how my older brother, Logan, used to hold me down uh, when I was in middle school and high school and pop my pimples. I have no idea why, other than the fact that he just wanted to torture me for no reason. He felt justified. He's like, that's my role as your older brother. I said, that has nothing to do with being a brother right there. I have a sister, my younger sister, Kelsey, who on several occasions has completely forgotten about the lunches that we've set up. One time is okay. Two times is like, it's fine. Three times, I just don't think she wants to hang out with me, okay? And it breaks my heart. It was like four or five or six, I think. My father, oh, let me tell you, I could tell you stories about my father, but I'll tell you at least one. When I was younger uh, at the previous church that we were at, uh, I noticed one Sunday after service was over that my whole family was missing. I didn't know where anybody was. And so apparently my dad was supposed to take me home, but he thought my mom had taken me home. So he had abandoned me at church that day. I was outside my church. I remember it outside, curled up in a ball, just crying my eyes out, (laughs) waiting for a family to come adopt me and invite me into their own. And if it wasn't for a nice church lady who found me and said, Aaron, is everything okay? Let's try to find your family. 
And then they were able to track down my dad. He came back and got me. He said, I'm so sorry, son. I didn't mean for that to happen. He took me to McDonald's to make up for it. I said, Dad, can I go and play in the play structure? He said, absolutely. So I went in and played in the play structure, and guess what he did? He left me again. I was abandoned twice on the same day by my own father, okay? And people ask me why I have an insecurity issue. It's because of that right there. And did I mention I was three years old at the time? No, I wasn't three, but I felt like a three-year-old in that moment. And my mother, she's perfect and she's never done anything wrong. So that's a bad example moving on. But here's what I'm trying to get at, okay? There is a love that I have for my family that is equipping me, hopefully every single day, through the power of the Holy Spirit that enables me to navigate through the messiness that we cause. And I believe that their love for me is doing the same thing because I'm not perfect, I make mistakes, I've offended them, but the healthy family is one that strives for a deeper version of love, a deeper level of love that equips us to be able to cover over a multitude of sins, to navigate through the messiness, to navigate through the challenges and the offenses that so easily can divide, we actually are trying to draw closer together. This is the same type of love that we need to have here at church, amen? Like there is so much division going on and it's so easy for us to get angry at each other, to get offended by one another, to look at someone and say, I can't believe you'd think that way or believe that or vote that way. And all it's doing is creating more and more division. We need to be a people that is equipped with the same kind of love that God had for us, which he was able to look at us and go, I have to navigate through a lot of mess because I love you and I'm claiming you as my own. And we need to be the kind of community that can navigate through the mess navigate through the challenges so that we can claim one another as our church family. The best way that I can put it is this. The gathered assembly must become a community that can grow into a family. That's the great challenge that we face, that we're all gathered here for whatever reason, from different corners of this community and world. We're here for a common cause, but a lot of us are just strangers, A lot of us might wave at each other and say hi, but that's about it. We need to become a community, people that honestly and genuinely care for one another and are willing to come alongside and help, encourage, serve, do whatever we can, especially for those that are walking through hard times. And with the Holy Spirit's power, the community that gathers here on a Sunday, I believe God can transform into a family if we learn to live as Jesus lived and loved, like Jesus loved. And now again, I don't wanna be so general here that you're like, well, what are you talking about, Aaron? Like, let me give you a tangible expression of this love. And again, it's found in verse nine. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Peter was speaking to a church at this time that was scattered, right? Jesus had come, he had done his ministry, he ascended, and then the the church took the gospel message, and then they were trying to share it with the Greco-Roman world, but they didn't have a church building that they went to every single Sunday, right? They didn't have a place that they could necessarily go and be safe, because even as they were taking the gospel message, there were so many different people that was trying to prevent them 
from spreading that message. They were in a hostile culture, a hostile society. The Jewish people didn't like them, the Greeks didn't like them, and the Romans were just trying to keep them under control. And so the only way that the church survived during this time was by brothers and sisters inviting these Christians who were taking the gospel message and letting them come into their homes, giving them a place to stay, sharing a meal with them, just building a relationship with them to offer encouragement. Katie and I and the girls have had the honor of every so often being able to be invited over to one of our church family's home for a meal, and it's always such a blessing. Here's a picture of one of the families that we just got to hang out with, uh, Eric and Christina Nordby, uh, an amazing, wonderful family who's been trying to get us for lunch forever, and we just keep having conflicts, but we finally were able to go over to their home, and we just spent time together talking about life and enjoying a good meal and talking about faith and talking about family. And Eric and Christina have raised three girls. Uh, Riley is one of them right now. And so you best believe I was taking all kinds of notes going like, okay, how'd you survive the teenage years? And uh, what did you feed them when they were younger to make them good kids? And like, I just try to, you know, seek as much advice as I could get from them. And it was more than just a good time. But what I think happens when we spend time in intentional community like that, when we enter into each other's homes, when we look at each other in the face, when we have honest conversations about parenting or marriage or faith, I believe what God does in that moment is create a powerful bond between two people, two families, a bond that is not easily broken. And that relationship can be used by God then to encourage us as we navigate, again, through the messiness of ourselves and community, but also through the challenges of this life. Like there's some amazing things that will take place if you are just willing to connect with other people. This is why we talk so much about life groups here. And I don't want it to become a commercial for life groups, but all I want to say is, if it hadn't been for the life group that my wife and I found several years ago when we entered into this church, I don't know how well we would have survived all the garbage, all the scary stuff, all the heartbreak. I had people in that life group praying for me when I was walking through the darkest moments of my life. And I believe God honored those prayers through the love and the relationship. Like I said, life is far too short and it can change in an instant, and you do not deserve to walk this life alone. So wherever you find it, find your community, find your people, walk with others, because you deserve to have people speaking life and truth into you, and you have now an opportunity to speak life and truth into others. I mean, the power of community is so amazing that the Nordbys have even invited my wife and I to go camping with them. And I'm considering it, church. Like, if that's not a sign of the power of fellowship right there, I'm probably not going to go. But I'm at least considering it. I'm thinking about it. I'm going, maybe, ah, you sure? Yeah, why not? That kind of stuff. But I'm at least giving it a try. And now that we have that established, then we can talk about really how we can serve. If we understand the power of prayer and the way God works through it, if we strive to build a relationship with the people that God has placed in our life, especially with the covenant community, then I think we can make sense of verses 10 and 11. First Peter 4, 10 and 11. God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? 
then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. If you hear me say nothing else today, and if you want one thing to take away from this message, hear me when I say this. Every single follower of Jesus Christ, every believer, every one of you who've accepted Jesus Christ into your life as your personal Savior and Lord, the scripture is testifying that you have been given a gift, that you have been uniquely tailored, uniquely created with an amazing ability, a talent, a skill, an insight, a perspective, a wisdom, an attitude, maybe just a willingness that has the purpose of serving those around you. Like that's one of the hardest things for us to understand at the church, that we're here not just to gather for a time and then to leave, and we have gifts not just to serve ourselves, to build our own kingdom, but that gift was given to us so that we can turn around and come alongside the people that God has placed in our life that we can encourage, that we can speak words of courage into, and that we can tangibly express the love that God has in beautiful and powerful ways. And so the two questions I have to ask you as we read that scripture is, have you discovered your gift? Do you know how God has uniquely designed you? Do you know how God has gifted you? And the second question is, are you using that gift well? Are you using it to serve those around you or is it just something that you're serving yourself? Pastor Jeff talked about this first serve idea. And again, I don't want this to be a commercial, but I do want you to know that we here at the church want you to discover your gift. And we wanna help you find a place to use that gift for the kingdom of God. And so please come talk to us. We'd love to get you plugged in, especially if you're wrestling through do I have anything worth offering? I've made too many mistakes. I've, I don't think I have. You do. If you have Jesus in your heart, then you are guaranteed the Holy Spirit's empowerment. And that means he has a place for you in his kingdom. Uh, Grant Osborne, one of the biblical authors that I read, said it this way. We need each other to be the dispensers and the recipients of the gifts God has given to the church through his people. The church is a family with each member supporting the others by using their gifts, not for status, but for the enrichment of others. Gifts do not confer status, they confer responsibility. And so my third challenge for you today, church, is this. Discover your gift, if only because it will awaken you to the responsibility that we have to those around us. Now, I talk a lot about my kids in sermons, and so I apologize for doing that, but it's only because uh, being a parent, being a father is the most like terrifying thing in my life right now. Like I'm just so stressed that I'm gonna fail my girls, and I'm so always just trying my best to point them in the right direction and try to truly love and care for them. And because I'm the one who has the responsibility, my wife and I, it's our responsibility to raise our kids, right? It's nobody else's responsibility, it's ours. And one of the most important responsibilities that I believe I have is to disciple my kids and to point them in the right direction, to dedicate them to God, but to place them in his arms. But I gotta be honest, um, there's been times, you know, where I just kinda, 
really struggle with it. And I pray for my girls every day. I pray for them in the morning and I pray for them at night and I pray for them throughout the day. And there's been many moments where I've just gone, hey God, are you listening? Are you hearing my prayers? You know, like what's going on here? I find Katie and I sometimes we more or less just, Lord, just pray for the demon to be exercised for my child today. Just so that we can get through breakfast, okay? Like we don't need to have it all figured out, but let us just get through breakfast. And so every so often, in the midst of my discouragement, God gives me a moment or a story where I just kind of go, oh, awesome. And so a couple weeks ago, here at the Happy Valley campus, one of our kids workers came up to me and said, hey, we gotta tell, talk to you about your oldest daughter, Carly. And I was like, oh boy, what did she do? Is everybody okay? Is the sea wing still intact? Is anything caught on fire? Like what's going on? And she said, no, no, no. She said, I gotta tell you this awesome moment that happened. And so. A family had come to the church, I think for the first time, they dropped off their daughter and it was quickly understood that this uh, daughter, I think she was five or six years old, just needed some extra attention. And uh, there were so many kids that day and the kids workers were just, they're were, they were running around trying to do their best. They just didn't have someone that could individually give this little girl attention uh, to make that experience for her as good as it could be. And so the kids worker went to the treehouse and asked some of the older kids, which Carly's an older kid, to say, hey, are any of you willing to come and help with this little girl in this class? And Carly raised her hand. She said, absolutely. Right? And because the treehouse that they're normally in, like she goes to multiple services, that's just a time for kids who have to go to lots of services just to relax, just to hang out, just to go have fun and games. So she was not obligated to do any of this the opportunity came and she said, sure, I'll come. And so Carly just hung out with this little girl throughout the kids' church and just encouraged her and had fun with her and laughed with her. And when she needed to kind of be redirected, Carly just kind of helped redirect so that she could serve the classroom and help so the teacher could do what the teacher needed to do. And she just had a blast. Now I tell you this story uh, for a couple of reasons. Um, one, because I'm a proud dad. And I'm very thankful to see that God is working and listening to my prayers. I came up to Carly after that and I asked her about it and she did the typical preteen thing where she's like, oh, dad, stop. Oh, what are you gonna make such a big deal about everything? Oh, leave me alone. And I'm like, no, this is awesome. This is great. Like, this is an amazing, beautiful moment. And she was explaining to me like, dad, it's not that big a deal. She was an awesome kid. We had a lot of fun and I loved doing it. And if they asked me again, I'd probably totally do it again. The second reason why I want to tell you this story is because if my 11-year-old daughter can take advantage of an opportunity that God has given her to not be so focused on herself, but to use the way God has uniquely gifted her to come alongside a little girl who just needed some extra attention so that she could have an amazing experience at church, what more so for the rest of us? to understand the opportunity that we have every single moment of every single day to be used by God the way we have been gifted to come alongside those that are desperately in need, to not do anything crazy, to not necessarily change their life because we don't have that power, but to use what God has given us to place those people in the arms of their loving Father. This is our challenge, church. So here's what I wanna do. We're gonna close with one more worship song. And the song is, Build My Life. And the phrase I want you to really consider, to pray through, to wrestle with, is this phrase in this song that says, and lead me in your love to those around me. 
And so what I want you to do is I want you to stand up, if you don't mind. I want you to close your eyes. I'm gonna pray, and then I want us to truly sing this song. And we're going to ask God's help. We're gonna pray to him in this moment that we would look beyond ourselves, that we would look past our selfish ambitions, our desires, and that we would really lean in to the messiness that we can cause, right? The challenge of community. But be awakened to the responsibility that we have to use the gifts that we've been given to serve the people that God will place in your life today tomorrow and every single day. So church, let us make this prayer. Lord, we thank you for this moment. We thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. And Lord, as we reflect, as we celebrate, as we sing songs that remind us of how much you love us, let us never forget that one of the most essential aspects of our relationship with you is to come alongside those that you've placed in our life, especially the Christian community that we find ourselves in, and that we take advantage of every opportunity to love, to encourage, to forgive, and to serve. Lord, you have uniquely gifted everybody in this room that knows you as their Lord and Savior. Let us discover that gift and let us use it well. Lead us in your love to those around us. That is our prayer. In your name we pray, amen.